I will tell you, I am super excited to be here on so many levels. And I will just start off by saying that when, I, when, when Dave called, you know, we talk all the time, but when he called, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but sometimes you can, uh, you get a call from him and it's the happy, cheery voice. It's the, hey, how you doing? But then sometimes, I've learned this over the years, you get a call and it's, that, it's in that pastoral voice. And that was the call that I got a few weeks ago. And at first I thought something may have been wrong because, and he wanted me to pray. And so we just start chatting and that's when he extended the invite and I said, are you sure? Uh, let's get, think about it, pray about it again, <laughs> are you sure? But I was so honored and I'm super honored because this is my second time sharing this pulpit because when you get invited a second time, you think you made the cut. And so I'm so, uh, I'm so happy. And I'm listening to Kate. I'm listening to uh, Ryan. And then Kate's talking about the timing of God. Then God and then Ryan's talking about God's faithfulness. And he's talking about his devotion uh, from this morning about when God made light to darkness. That's my sermon. My sermon is on timing. My sermon, I'm referencing Genesis 1-4, and that's when you know that what you've prepared from the Lord is from the Lord and is for this house. Amen? There were many times when, when Dave would be uh, preaching, and I would have to lead and introduce him, and we would always say, he would tell me, you just preached my sermon. And it was fun. It became comical after a while because that's when you know you in sync with the Holy Spirit. What God imparted in your heart, your heart, you know that God is doing something. Amen? So I'm so I'm honored. I'm honored on many levels because he's my brother in the Lord. And I'm honored because I love this church. I really love this church. And I'm so happy to see Bob and Carrie. Do you remember when we met two years ago? Oh! <laughs> but uh, and you are in my prayers, and I'm not saying that's for show, but you are because I I'm not praying for healing. I'm praying for manifestation. Healing is done. I'm praying for manifestation. Amen. So uh, one thing I want to say, and that is, I follow a lot of you on social media and and through Dave, and I just want to continue to encourage you about your faithfulness and how and your giving to this community. And that's part of the faithfulness of the house of God and how you give not only to uh, members of this church. Now you're giving. I didn't know that you give to people, new residents. It's just and also Mission Arlington. It is so important to God's heart when he sees a group of believers that are sacrificing of their time and their money to give to others. That is very close to the heart of God. And when we are faithful in our, in our funds, in our time, in our prayers to others, uh, God listens and he's listening and he's hearing that. And just know that when you are faithful to others, that God will meet you in your area of need. He will. And I just encourage you, when Dave gave that declaration, that's what he was doing about this being a full-time, uh, you get your own building, receive that. You may not know, and what Kate said about the timing, that's 
That's up to God. But just agree that somehow God is going to open the windows of heaven and somehow he could influence many of us through giving money and he would even add more to you so you can be a blessing to this house. Amen? And then you can boast about the goodness of God. Amen? Some people, when you're, when you're ministering, they want to know about you. And, you know, my life's pretty, pretty boring, so I don't want to take any much time saying, you know, what my background is. But then some people need to know that, Howard. Amen? And so I'm just going to give you just a minute of, of you know, Dave and I worked in ministry, and, uh, and we became friends, and we became brothers and sisters where we... God connected us spiritually, and I will say this. We all need a David in our lives. We all need someone that we can talk to knowing that they're not going to embarrass us. They're not going to shame us. They're not going to judge us, but they're going to walk alongside us. We all need that person. Amen? So I worked in, uh, in, the, in the corporate world for over 20 years, and God blessed me there. But my heart was always in ministry, and, and I always did that on the side in my home and all of that. And so I worked as a technology project manager for a long time and, um, and worked from home and got the dreadful call. I don't know if any of you have been, this, have been in this situation where you get the call that your job has been eliminated. And that's what happened. And so I knew something was going on in the spirit. I didn't know what. But anyway, as it turned out, I was blessed with a, a nice severance. And I just said to the Lord, what's next? What do you want me to do now? Wasn't angry. I just realized they blessed me. I was probably not as smart as they thought I was, but at least I, I made it 25 years. <laughs> but anyway, they, uh, I got blessed with a, a nice severance that lasted for a year. And I said, Lord, what's next? And the Lord said to me, Howard, he said, if you handle this severance right, you can pay that mortgage off this year. And I said, huh? And he said, if you do that. And so that's what happened. I was able to pay it off and my debt and then owe no man nothing. And so he said, now you can work for me. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is freedom people think that they're going to get after retirement. And so that's, that was my story. I saw the faithfulness of God in my life. And it was because nothing that I did special, but I will say this, that I am already going off of, off my topic when you are faithful to God in your service, when you are faithful to God in your giving, when you are faithful to God to love even when it hurts, God looks at that. And that seed that you're planting in the kingdom, at some point, there's a season of time. And we know if you are gardeners here, that seed go into the ground and it dies, but then you water that seed. You water that seed with the word. You thank God, even though you don't see the end result, you keep thanking God, Carrie. Regardless of what we see, we keep watering the seed. We say, Lord, I thank you that she is fully whole in all areas, regardless of what you see on the outside. And at some point, you will see the harvest. 
And that was what God, that was God's faithfulness to me. So anyway, and you're doing that by taking care of others in this house. So I just want to throw that. And then I was ordained uh, in 2007. So that's it. That's enough about me. And, but God is faithful. And what I want to talk about and share just a few minutes is the goodness and timing of God. His goodness and his timing. And that's what I want to spend because I'm listening to the song with Ryan. God, uh, he's faithful. And you can't help but know in this house how faithful he's been. You have walked with Dave on this journey, and, you, and God has allowed many of you to walk beside him and be like uh, Moses where people were holding him up and just lifting him up. So God, you are, you've been able to witness the faithfulness of God. But that's the title. And let's just pray. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So thank you. So today, what, what, what has been said before is that we're celebrating the faithfulness and goodness of God. God, gathering church, God has sent you a shepherd. He sent you a shepherd. A 33-year journey, a 33-year journey of faithfulness has now manifested in this house. And I was thinking about Bob and, and Howard, how who knew that over 33 years ago, even before this was even birth, that you, you didn't know that this was the plan. And I just, you know, I was, I was praying for you guys when I was walking my dog this morning, and I was praying for you because God gave you the vision and not knowing what, the, what that was going to end up being. And I just, and I thought, isn't it interesting how God would give us a vision and oftentimes the enemy will come in and try to destroy what's more precious to us you know, while we're going through. And that's what I thought. And I said, Lord, I know you gave them the vision. And what the enemy meant for harm, God will turn it around for good. Can we get an amen? You know, I'd like you to talk back, Tubby. <laughs> amen. So Jesus' primary assignment that God gave him on the earth was twofold. And that is he was to model God's heart and he was to model God's goodness and through his actions to the people. So it goes without saying that what we believe about God impacts everything about our life. So what is it? Some of us have uh, uh, distasteful beliefs about God, and perhaps you were raised in an unhealthy environment, and, and sometimes I know that this is very common, that if we had a father, a mother figure that was not very godly, and uh, oftentimes we equate God to what we know. And so, and that's, that's not uncommon. But I am telling you today that God is the author of good. He is the author of good. There's a famous uh, theologian by the name of A.W. Tozer. Uh, he wrote, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So what is it you think about when you think about God? Do you think about, oh, he's slow, he's not doing this? What, is it, what comes to mind when you think about him and when you 
when you pinpoint that, then that would be where your heart is. And so we need to think about that. One of the greatest uh, scriptures that I like that talks about the relationship, it comes out of uh, Psalms 34, 8. And it says, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Now, that's a passage that most of us are familiar with. And I have often wondered, what was the psalmist thinking about when he said, taste and see? Why are you tasting? And what, what does that mean? I've pondered that for a, a very long time. And as I was studying this, I realized that what, David, what King David was doing was this. When you taste something, and we just liken it to a recipe, when you're tasting it, you want to, um, you, you want to savor the flavor. You want to sample, and you want to test it to see if, if it lives up to what the recipe says it does when you're tasting it. And when you see something, seeing is really identified with your perception and your understanding. So if you put those two together, when you're tasting God, what are you doing? You're trying to sample to see, is he really what he say he is according to the word? You're testing it. We're kind of wondering, okay, I'm praying for this. Am I going to get that answer? You're testing the waters to see, is he who he says he is? And once you understand that he is, then you have the understanding. So that is what part of, I believe, King David was trying to get across. When you taste it and you see it and that, that flavor and that aroma is what you thought it was, and then now you can understand his ways because his ways are good. That was the most elementary way I could put it because now I said, okay, now it makes sense when you're tasting it, and that's the God that we serve. Amen? Amen. Now, I said earlier that God is the author of good, and, and this is um, picking on Ryan, and Genesis 1, 4, you know, every day when God created, after one of his creations, he ended each sentence by saying, it is good. It is good. He keeps, he's trying to get a message to us. Everything that he does for us and mankind is good. But when you go to uh, chapter uh, Genesis 1 and 31, after he finished creating everything, he said, and he created man, guess what he said about us? It's very good. It's very good. So our thoughts about God when we wake up, when we're troubled, should always be that God is good. He is good regardless of what's going on, regardless if there's a darkness or a heaviness even here. Just know that he is good. And a good God always have good things in store for his kids. Whether you see it or not, you know and you say it that God is good. I want to share with you briefly how God demonstrated his goodness uh, through uh, Abraham and then King David and also this church. You know, uh, everything that God does starts with a seed, and the seed is the promise. Just like when, when this community started, it started with a thought and an idea 
that's the seed. And then, of course, when everything started working, then grounds, you know, you break ground. But everything starts with a seed. And what I want to bring home to you is what God talks about seed, which is the promise. And he's given all of us a promise. And what Kate alluded to earlier was the time. There's time. And where most of us get stuck is in the time. Because when God gives us a promise, we want to see the manifestations the next day. We don't want to wait. We're weary. We, wa- we don't want to wait. We don't. And then the harvest. But time is where we get stuck. And Abraham, God told him, he said, I'm going to make you father of many nations. I'm going to give you descendants. I'm going to, I'm going to give you redemption. I'm going to give you all of this. And I'm going to give you a son because Abraham thought, oh, I have all of this wealth and I don't have a seed. I don't have a son. I will have to give it to my servant. And he said, no. So Abraham and his wife, we know the story. I don't want to insult you with that, that they were both advanced in age and they're thinking, How's this going to be? And that's where Abraham is in the time capsule. And his wife, of course, she couldn't, well, as a woman, how's this going to work? She couldn't see it. And that makes sense how she couldn't see it. But she, uh, but she, to the point where she wanted to manipulate time. And so she had this grand idea, I'm going to get my maidservant, you're going to sleep with her, and I'm going to have me a son. That's how we're going to do this. But if you notice in Scripture that Abraham never, it, didn't, it doesn't say in Scripture, but Abraham never argued with her. <laughs> He's, okay. <laughs> and I was talking to some of the ladies yesterday about it, and I thought, You just wonder, how many times did it take before Hagar got pregnant? You know? The Bible doesn't talk about that, but he didn't argue with her. She said, you're going to do it, and then he said, okay, we'll do it, and then here comes comes Ishmael. But he was not the promise. You know, Abraham loved him, but he was not the promise. And it took 25 years before the harvest of Isaac from the time Abraham spoke until that time. Now, I am not declaring on this church or you or anyone that it's going to take 25 years before you see your harvest. I'm just saying the whole point of this is seeing how the time is when we can get really stuck. And the, the season of time is when we are to be faithful We are, regardless of what's going on, just keeping in the back of your mind and the forefront, God is good. God is good. I don't see it now, but I know he promised it and he's going to deliver it. God is good. The the time is also that season where life happens. Things happen. You know, I think about our, uh, Dave was a youth pastor, and so I came behind him and was a youth pastor too. And I love our teenage kids because I I think about even during this pandemic how this has affected our children uh, emotionally and how the suicide rate for kids is just growing. And it's just heartbreaking to know that isolation 
is what it's doing because this is a first for so many of us and we don't. You know, you look at uh, here's life. This is the time. We're in the timing season where uh, uh, domestic violence is on the rise. It's just so much going on because we're in a, so many people are in a dark place where they can't see the light. You see where you have issues with your natural, your kids, you have issues in your physical body and you didn't expect it. It's the time, it's life. You have a, a, a marriage that ends and you have a marriage that reconciles you, it's life, it's just the season of time. But all through it, God is saying, I'm good, I'm faithful, stay with me. And Abraham remained faithful to God. He remained faithful. So it's, we have to know what season we're in. Are we in the planting season where the seed has been dropped? Are we in the waiting season of the timing? Or and in some cases, we can be in all three at the same time based on what God has spoken to you. You may have three promises from God. One could be in the seed, one can be in the time, and one you're about to harvest. And now, guess what we're celebrating? The harvest. It was a harvest. But even in all of that, God's goodness towards Abraham never wavered. You talk about King David. He's one of my favorites. I mean... I, I love the story of David because every possible wrong you could do, he did. <laughs> and guess what? He was appointed uh, by God. God said to, to Samuel, I, going, I have found myself a king. And he told him to go to the house of Jesse in Bethlehem. And he said, there you will find him. Samuel, and here's the other thing about time. God will tell us what the promise is as he did with Abraham. And he tell him what the end will be. But he never tell you what the middle. He never tell you about the time. That's when we stay faithful and obedient Okay, and so even with King David, guess how old he was? He was 16 years old. He goes to the house of Jesse. He has eight boys, and, and Samuel thinks, okay, well, he's got to be, uh, got to look like a, a king. He's got to be tall, charismatic, and all of that, and some of the sons did, but Jesse did not make the cut. He was short and little. And he was 16, but he was the one that God chose. Guess how long it took? He was 16, and when he took on from Saul, he was 30 years old. He had that time. But in the, this is the important thing about, uh, uh, about David, and I liken this to our David, too, that he still submitted to leadership during the time. Saul hated him, he despised him, he wanted to kill him, but David still submitted to leadership. And that's what this church must do, that God has given you a shepherd. You submit to leadership. You don't have to like it. David's the most approachable person you know. So if you don't like it, talk to him. Don't talk to other people about it, you talk to him. Because if you talk to others about him, then you are the one that's going to be... No, it's not going to be good for you because you don't want God's blessings to not be in your life. You want to always be in the good side. Amen? I'm off a little bit. But anyway, God, but it was 30, he was 30 years old. He remained faithful. He submitted to leadership. 
He submitted. He, he, he was, you're growing and you're maturing during that time because that's when God needs to see that he can trust you and that you remain faithful. Amen? So David's story was, I often wondered, why did God choose David as king? What was so different about David that he was handpicked? As you would think about when God choose you for something. What is so different about you or me that God would choose us for a certain task or a certain assignment? You know what it is? And this is the connection that I saw with King David and David Butler. And that is God saw the goodness of his heart. David made a lot of mistakes but he was quick to repent and get back in fellowship with God. And you can see that throughout the book of Psalms. And that is what I believe that connection was. You know, I was doing this comparison with uh, Butler. I was, I said, oh, you know, I found all these comparisons with you and David. And I thought, no, I'm not going to put them all out there because I'll embarrass him. But, you know, King David was 16 when God called him. Dave Butler was 16. Dave Butler was the youngest. of, uh, And then King David was saying, that's as far as I'm going to go. But it was the goodness of his heart. And when you find a leader where their heart is good towards God and it's constant, you stay with them. Amen? So I'm about to wrap this thing up. So let me talk about what, when David, remember, and some of his dark seasons of life when uh, he, you know, committed adultery, then he had the guy killed, then he had some drama with his kids, incest. I mean, just you name it, he had it. But you know what? What God did, even in the midst of that, he gave him a friend, and his friend was Saul's son, Jonathan. Isn't that something? And Jonathan, God used Jonathan in such a special way with that special brotherly friendship that Jonathan was able to let uh, David know any plots that his father had against him. And David was so, it was just sweet that the, the friendship that they had, that even when David was uh, as serving as king, he remember when you're a king and you have a new leader come in, they usually kill all of the old descendants out. You know, they don't want to have anything to do with it. But David, he wanted to know if there was anyone left from uh, Saul's legacy. And they remembered that Jonathan had a son. And David called for him. And God blessed um, his Jonathan's son through King David. But you see how the goodness of God even transcends that. And this Psalms 23 talks a lot about when David, King David, was in his dark place. And this is a familiar passage in Psalms 23, and I want to read that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, do I walk through the valley. See, we're walking through a valley, through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. Thy prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. 
And here's the part that I love so much. Surely, goodness. Who's good? God. He said, surely, goodness. So here's goodness is God, and here's mercy. Shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. So goodness is God. He's always looking for ways to show his goodness towards us. And finally, here, and what we're summing up here is this 33-year journey where God spoke to a teenage crazy boy, and he said, okay, I, this is my promise to you. And, I mean, you guys know Dave's been in, in ministry all his life, and so this is not a new thing for him, but the promise of the fulfillment. He and I, we were talking a couple of weeks ago, and I said to him, it's very interesting to me that now I see how things had to shift and some changes had to take place before this. I said, I get it now. And I said, sometimes we're trying to figure God out, but we have to remember we're not that smart. We really can't. That's why he don't tell us stuff. If he told us the time, we would try to be God and try to go and do, his, do what we think he's doing. That's why he don't tell us, because we're not that smart. He wants us to trust him that he will tell us. The way God works, people, is that I will tell you what you need. It's on a need-to-know basis. When you need to know it, I'll tell you. But I'm not going to tell you before it's not. So just trust him. And so... I understand clearly more now because I knew, I know it's hard, but I said things had to shift. God had to work on hearts. God had to see if the heart was going to work, and he had to, you know, and now we see and, um, what God has done. And so here it is, back in 2013, he comes to church, and he's showing me this house, of this picture of this house. Why don't you look at this? Well, and I said, oh, great, you know, because he's getting tired of this commute from Rockwall to uh, Euless. And I thought, that's great. But you know what? When people present ideas to us, the first thing naturally we think of, and even us Christians, how is this going to affect me? How is this going to affect me? You know, and I, that was a thought, but then I had to arrest that thought because I know God's doing something. I didn't know it was going to be this. I didn't know what it was, but that was the, the seed, and so God's putting this in motion. And then he comes back and said, you're not going to believe this. They've reduced this house to blah, blah, blah. And I thought, God, you're doing something. There's something you're doing. And lo and behold, we're having our normal conversations on a Tuesday night. He's sitting on the porch, either drinking a Diet Coke or a cup of coffee. And people are walking by, and then they introduce, and then he becomes the, the community preacher. Not knowing what God was setting all of this in motion. So east meets west, bam, here you go. And now you are the recipients of that blessing. So it's a blessing because God handpicked most of you. Some of you will be here forever. Some of you may be here seasonal, but you've been picked for a time such as this. You've been picked. And what a wonderful opportunity. Every time I drive on this property, I think, this is a happy place. So I'm waiting on Howard. He's already, you know, to buy this house, and then this will be either primary or my second home. 
So anyway, you know what? <laughs> the word says, and I'm just teasing. I'm, I'm just teasing. He did ask me, when are you moving to Arlington? I said, you get the house or you make me a deal. And so, but the word does say, thou shalt decree a thing and it shall be, done, and it shall be established. So I decree all the time. So, hey. <laughs> in closing, let me, in closing. God is the creator of goodness, and as believers in Christ, what are we to do? As Jesus came, we are to model his goodness. Amen? Amen. So, Ryan mentioned this earlier. If you are in a dark place and there's issues going on that you're struggling with, just know that God knows where you are. And that you, in the forefront of your conversations, just remind God is good and he's working this situation out for my good, for my good. And you keep that in the forefront of everything you say and you do. I, uh, there's a, a popular pastor in California whose name is Bill Johnson, and I really follow his ministry. He had written a book and his son was interviewing him about the book, and, he, and one of the questions was, Dad, why, what do you do when your prayers go unanswered and you have, and you're trusting God for this and, and nothing is happening? And I was really sitting at the edge of my seat because I was curious what he said. And he said this, and this really liberated me on so many levels. He said, what I do is that when I don't know why certain prayers didn't answer or he mentioned that he had 16 members to die in his church at a short period of time. He said, I put the whys in an imaginary box. And, and he said, and what I say is that God is good. God is good. So regardless, and he said, God is, he said, and what God will do at the appointed time, he will take one of those whys out of that imaginary box and he will reveal the truth of why that happened to him. And he said, because if you stay stuck on the whys, the whys will become the God. The whys will become your focus. You want the focus to be on the goodness of God. Amen? And he said, and when I do that, I see the sovereignty and that knowing, I will quote what he said. He said, I've learned that in due time, God will answer the why. So in the meantime, focus on the goodness because his goodness is the primary lens through which we see life and always have hope. Amen? Amen. God bless you.